Um, return home. I mean, I, mean, I think, sure. you know, that, that's obviously... The family consideration. Obviously yeah. a, b- a big part of it. Um, twofold for me. One, Cristobal leaving Oregon, what's there, the facilities they have, um, the Uncle access Phil. you have, who you're, who you're fighting with uh, in the West as opposed to if you're going to go in the South and who you're going to fight with in recruiting. I'll say this, too. If I'm Miami, I'm excited about the native son and all that stuff, too. But I just, Cristobal is also, this is fresh off of getting the doors blown off of you by Utah. And, and, like and here's, twice. Twice, yes, correct. And, and I've always, I feel this about, like, Kyle Winningham, like, he's tough. Like, Cristobal has always looked tough. and put, Kyle Winningham showed you a little bit of what tough was. So, Cristobal, I, I just interesting, or is, yeah. I mean, I just, oh, it's, it's interesting to see now the timing of this, of how that's affected with, because he, he's, he's brought a lot of notoriety to Oregon and a lot of talk, but there hasn't been a lot of winning. Not a lot of winning. Exactly. Should be. And you're still recruiting to Miami. No matter how good you are, you're still recruiting to a situation that we seem to always have these conversations about. Like there's something behind the scenes at Miami that just isn't right. And so these kids that all this talent in Florida, clearly Florida's not doing a real good job of holding it. Florida State's not doing a real good job of holding it. Miami's not doing a real good job of holding it. And so when we look at crystal ball coming down there, I don't know that I'd be, I talked about Oklahoma not being a great situation. That'd be scary to me. Miami's more scary yeah. because of these situations. It doesn't look like a stable situation from top to bottom, not just your coaching, but behind the scenes. Well, it looks like they're trying, so to, they're trying to rectify to They're trying to rectify that with the athletic director, more money being put but into the, the resources. Thing you said, of the, though. Mid-season, they started to play better. Yeah. And then it started to feel like the Clay Helton situation at USC. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they want to fire the guy, but then all of a sudden the team uh, starts playing better, so they can't make a move. Yeah. So it's like a weird it situation. Weird. Miami, they played much better in that yeah. second half of the season. Hello, Miami. I am Will, and you are listening to 305 Sports Now, your home podcast for all the best coverage and all things Miami sports related. I'd like to thank ESPN for that uh, that audio in referencing the Mario Cristobal coming to Miami uh, type of deal that apparently is going down. But I'm going to get first to the Dolphins. I want to go over the Mario Cristobal deal and also uh, what I think about uh, that whole ordeal and, and what I think about regarding the way they've treated Manny Diaz. But I want to first talk about the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, once again, put on a defensive clinic against the New York Giants as they, as they just beat up on Mike Lennon a bit, and they win the game a little ugly on offense, 20-9, uh, but Tua once again, even though it was a bit uh, ugly on offense, uh, he does look very sharp. I mean, ugly because the running game was still not up to par. Tua looked absolutely sharp once again for the Dolphins as Tua Tagovailoa goes 30 for 41 right in this, in this ball game. Right, he goes 30 for 41, 244 yards passing, and two touchdowns, only getting sacked twice. The running game, not very good. Once again, at Miles Gaskin with 15 carries, 44 yards, and Salvon Ahmed with eight carries and 23 yards. But once again, this connection that Jalen Waddle has with Tua Tagovailoa going back to Alabama days is resonating very well in the National Football League. As once again, Jalen Waddle looks absolutely sensational, averaging 10 yards per catch with nine receptions and 90 yards, his longest being up 25. And he had 11 targets, so Tua only missed him twice 
uh, throughout the game. So Jalen Waddle is looking very good. It's a shame that he left uh, in the second half with what appears to be a, somewhat of a leg injury. He walked off the field himself, went into the tunnel, did not come back into the game, but we'll see what happens uh, throughout the day in particular. Love seeing Devontae Parker out there. I will say this, all right? Devontae Parker with five catches, 62 yards. Seems like he was on every single 50-50 ball and caught every single 50-50 ball. When Devontae Parker is out there, Miami Dolphins are a much better football team, especially when it comes to the passing game. All right, people complained about the passing game throughout the year. The Dolphins right now are winning five in a row. When they were one and seven, people complained about not going so much down the field. But as of right now, it's absolutely working. Tua, uh, looking through his progressions, has looked very intelligent, making the right decisions, has not been throwing interceptions, has been throwing completions, and has been throwing touchdown passes. He's actually one of the most efficient passers in the NFL at this very moment based upon you know his uh, location of his receivers and, and where he's putting it in place. He has, uh, he has been top, uh, top of the league at the moment in particular. I mean, he has uh, a 41. It's a wonderful percentage. Started out in the first half on fire as well. I think at one point he was like 15 for 17, you know, and a couple, uh, it was a couple drop balls that, uh, that impeded it a bit, but he's, he's just looking great, you know, and I can't, and we can't take that away from him. But once again, the star of this game is the, the defense. The defense is once again, lights out. And let me tell you, Jalen Waddle, I'm sorry, Jalen Phillips, not Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, the Miami Hurricane rookie, first round pick that people were wondering why in the world we drafted this kid. We should have gone with a running back, drafted Najee Harris, whatever. Guess what? He's absolutely balling right now. Two sacks once again today. That puts him amongst rookie leaders with eight, at least top, at least one of the rookie leaders with eight and a half sacks. He is having a great year. Eight and a half sacks, something some veterans wish they had. So Jalen Phillips has absolutely become a monster. He's coming to his own. The Dolphins are using him the way he needs to be used, basically being at the end position. He has become an absolute monster. He is a guy that has, like I said, has great technique, has amazing hands, could get off his blocks, has figured out a way to get off his blocks, and is getting to the quarterback with relative ease when uh, not much impeded or when he basically removes the offensive tackle away from him and gets to the quarterback. He is absolutely feasting. The Dolphin defense is absolutely feasting. X-Man, once again, gets a pick today as well, a beautiful one uh, for, uh, against Mike Lennon. The Dolphins are absolutely on top right now, 6-7, and seven, heading into a bye, another home game against uh, the New York Jets, who are not a very good football team. We saw that about a couple of weeks ago when the Dolphins did beat them as well. You know, Joe Flacco was able to get some, uh, some passes through, but nonetheless, he was beat up quite a few times. The Dolphins did control that game for most of the part, most, mostly throughout the whole the, all four quarters, especially at the defensive side of the ball. All right. So Miami six and seven, again, a bye week four and three at home. They have a chance for a playoff. I mean, I it's, it's, it's hard. It's tough to say because as of right now, I just don't see them beating Buffalo, but they've, they've upset the pages before, you know, the pages are playing really good football right now. Bill Belichick has that team rolling. Josh McDaniels has got Mac Jones in the right position, but the dolphins have beaten, the Patriots have upset the Patriots. They have them here at home, so Miami could win that football game. The Tennessee Titans, another team that's upcoming, they're struggling ever since Derrick Henry went down. So I, the Dolphins could probably pull off and defeat the Tennessee Titans and win that football game and maybe make a run for the playoffs. It's not official. It's going to be really difficult for that to happen, but nonetheless, it is a possibility. So there is a chance that Miami could sneak into the wild card. Don't think they will. The, their struggles early on in the season – uh, proved to be in a position against that for that to happen. But the bottom line is that they're putting themselves in a, in a position where 
they could at least have a chance. And they're also exciting to watch, especially on defense. Like last year, last year on defense, sacks and takeaways, which is what gave the Miami Dolphins, you know, the Norris people thought they'd be a playoff contender and at least take the second seed. I mean, at least like second place in our division, challenge for a wild card spot, a high one at least. But uh, the struggles early on in the season, losing very close games as well to teams like Indianapolis and Jacksonville, have put the Dolphins at this position at six and seven. But I do believe that once again, we do see a tie turning. Tua has literally now a full 17 games, you know, under his belt. And, uh, and I do think that, uh, I mean, let me tell you, Tua does not have Justin Herbert's arm, all right? We've seen that when he's gone deep. But his efficiency is Chad Pennington-like, all right? Chad Pennington may have not won your Super Bowl, but he got you to the playoffs and he got you far, you know, when, when you needed to be. So I do think he's better than Chad Pennington. He, uh, he's much more, has much more efficient in terms of zipping the ball in tight spaces and and he's a little bit more accurate than Chad Pennington was but uh but in terms of intelligence short passing game and knowing you know how to read defenses and know when to get rid of the ball Tua has has uh has gotten better he's only gonna get better I mean you gotta give Tua a shot I've always said this I'm about giving people chances especially if you draft them uh, and you hire them as well as coaches we'll get into that in about, about a few minutes but I do believe that that Tua at this moment could be could be our our, our franchise quarterback he's winning football games. The team likes him throughout the whole Deshaun Watson crap. He was a consummate professional. I mean, he could have easily just packed up and said, listen, I'm done. Trade me. And he has not done that. He's proven himself. Deshaun Watson is basically all those rumors are gone the trading line because the trading, the trade deadline is done, but him in, in trade talks, you're not hearing that right now. So I do believe the dolphins are in good shape, you know, to end the year strong. I just hope they do, but this whole, Brian Flores, start slow, get fasting, isn't going to cut it. You got to start fast and fast. That's the way you win Super Bowls. That's the way you get into the playoffs and you win playoff games and become a consistent winner throughout the seasons. All right. Just like the Baltimore Ravens, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, just like the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Teams like that, they constantly win and they're consistent throughout the year. Can't forget the Chiefs. The Chiefs as well are a team that are constant winners consistent winners, Patriots as well, consistent winners. So consistency and winning, winning builds a culture, all right? When you're used to winning, you find ways to win, just like teams find ways to lose when they're losers, right? When teams suck, they find a way to find, they find a way to suck at the end of, at the end of every game, at the end of every season. The Miami Dolphins, when they were one and seven, they found ways to suck, all right? They just losing just landed on them. Now winning is landing on them, all right? When the Giants got another field goal, you know, to make it to make it a uh, 17 to nine, Dolphins found a way to get another score on the board, making a two score game, ice the game, game over. All right, so that's uh, pretty much uh, what I want to say about the Dolphins. Next week is a bye. I'm glad. Uh, well, it's, there's time for these guys to rest. They've been at it since the beginning of the year, so they're getting they deserve it. They deserve a bye week. Then here come the Jets, beat the snot out of the Jets, get to 500, and then let's start doing some talking. All right, if you are a Miami Hurricanes fan, you might have the biggest amount of mixed emotions depending on what side of the fire Manny, keep Manny out you're on. You guys know where I stand, right, regarding Manny Diaz. Uh, you know, the Hurricanes, whatever, they are making moves. Uh, supposedly, they're about to hire. It, they, during the week, they acted as if it was official, but it's not official, okay? Former AD of Clemson, the guy that brought in Dabble Sweeney, and became a powerhouse, uh, made Clemson a multi-time national champion, right? Dan Radovich is uh, probably going to become the next AD at the University of Miami. 
the Miami Hurricanes are, uh, as a university, are now opening up their wallets and trying to bring in the best to make the football team in particular the best it can be. Why football? Biggest moneymaker for the school. Basketball and baseball we can get to in another day. But at, at the moment, the one that gets all the television time, the athletes that are on TV all the time, the coaches whose faces people recognize when the grocery store are the football team is the football team. All right. So the football team is about to get a major upgrade uh, at the AD position. Of course, the AD represents all sports, but uh, this is more of a football hire. I will say in regards to, uh, to Radovich does have Miami ties, right? Everybody wanted somebody with Miami ties. He does have Miami ties. He went to business school here in the 1980s and got his, and got his business degree at the university, his bachelor's at the university of Miami. So he does have Miami ties, ACC guy understands the conference. Uh, Dabble Sweeney does recruit Florida. So he understands the importance of the Florida players, but he's not going to be a recruiter, but I'm just trying to get the gist of what the university is trying to go with here. Thematically speaking. Now the elephant in the room is, uh, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm shocked. Okay. I'm really shocked. I was one of those guys when starting this podcast, like many people on radio as well, and media said that Mario Cristobal was not coming to Miami. Mario Cristobal is not coming to Miami. There's no way Miami could compete with Oregon money. It's not going to happen. Uh, well, I look like looks like I'm about to eat crow. So is Joe Rose and some other uh, sports radio pundits who did not believe that Mario Cristobal. Listen, I thought we had better shot with Lane Kiffin. As a matter of fact, the way the Miami Hurricanes are currently structured, if you want to go, if you're going to get another head coach, I think Lane Kiffin will probably be the best fit, all right? The way the Miami, Dol- the Miami Hurricanes at the quarterback position, at the skill position, you know, which includes running backs and wide receivers, I think that Lane Kiffin will do a lot more with this offense, right, with this offense than Mario Cristobal will. Mario Cristobal's teams tend to be, a, even though they run a spread over there in Oregon, they tend to be a bit more physical than what uh, what Miami recruited, you know, the last couple of seasons. Guys like Romello Brinson, guys like Keyshawn Smith, guys like Jacoby George. You know, it's, it's more of a finesse team. And when they won their five out of six and should have won six out of six and should have actually ended with a nine-one season, at least a nine-one season, they did they did it with finesse, throwing the ball down the field, you know, finding the open man, exposing matchups, you know. Uh, uh, between, let's say, a tailback and a, and, a, and, a, and a linebacker that best fit, you know, the situation. So they, they work a lot more with finesse than they did with with power. And Jalen Knighton is not a power back, although Don Chaney is, and so is Thaddeus Franklin, and so is, and so is Cody Brown, but, but Jalen Knighton's not, and he was the feature back for this year. All right, so that's, uh, that's what I want to say in regards to what I think about um, who should have been our head coach. I like Mario. I think Mario's, I'm Cuban. He's Cuban. That has nothing to do with it, but I'm just saying that there's, there's an identity that Mario has with the city of Miami, with South Florida. That he understands the culture, understands the people, understands the climate, understands the university as well. He's won at FIU. That's where he got his real first head coaching gig. Was wrongfully fired, I felt. I think the reason why the university fired him was because they thought they could get Butch Davis and Butch Davis, uh, uh, declined. All right. And Mario Cristobal, who actually was loyal to FIU, he turned down a better job at Pittsburgh to stay at FIU. And uh, he was like, oh, which I thought was the wrong thing to do. And, you know, he goes, he's a, he's a assistant head coach here with Al Golden for like a cup of coffee, goes to Alabama, then gets the job over at Oregon and actually took over for Willie Taggart and he made Oregon better. So a lot of people that are like not 
cool with Mario coming here because of what happened with Utah this season, losing twice and losing badly. You know, Mario Cristobal, honestly, if you want to go with a resume, he's done more for Oregon in his four years as head coach than what we've had here at the University of Miami. That's, 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 let's be honest. He almost won three straight Pac-12 uh, Pac titles. He won two Pac-12 titles. And I hear people online say, well, the Pac-12 ain't crap. Well, not as the ACC, all right? It was literally Clemson every year. And, and no one questioned Clemson. Clemson was beating everybody up in that championship game to go to the Final Four. All right, so don't give me that nonsense. The Pac-12 sucks, okay? The Pac-12 is, if you want to say the Pac-12 sucks, then what the hell do you say about the ACC? All right, so, so cut it out. All right, just cut it out. All right, let's, let's be honest. Mark Cristobal's resume as a recruiter, as a, as a coach, you know, and getting and also as a disciplinarian, you know, it, it's, it's a good reputation, all right? It's a strong reputation. So bringing him in here, uh, re resume-wise, would be what they call, quote-unquote, better, more of an upgrade for, than, than it would be having Manny Diaz. My thing is, and I'm going to be very frank with you, and I'm going to be very sincere with you, as a Miami Hurricanes fan since I was in elementary school, as a former alum, as an alum of the university, I'm, I'm a graduate student in the class of 2020. I am disgusted. I am disgusted at the way the University of Miami is handling this. All right? I understand firing Blake James, but you had to have an idea who you wanted. All right? And that's just firing Blake James, but also keeping this poor man, Manny Diaz, you know, hanging. All right? If, if you were going to get rid of him, you're basically like, you know what? I like you. You're like my girl. But if I can't get this girl who I think is hotter, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you. Or that's pretty much what they're doing. It's like, yeah, you're pretty, but this girl, man, she's hot. She's so freaking hot. You know what I mean? And, and the way you're treating it. And if, he, if she says no, I'll, I'll stay with you. How about that? Manny Diaz, I mean, my God. He's been the utmost professional throughout this whole ordeal. Has not badmouthed the university. Has, has not told his coaches to stop recruiting. Uh, he's even landed, you know, a top linebacker, you know, from, from Central High. You know, linebacker Wesley uh, Bessandy, which people thought was probably going to go to Florida State and not Miami, becomes a cane despite the situation that's going on here. These kids know what's going on. They really do. They're not stupid. They're on social media. And if not their parents, hey, you should want to go to the school. This coach is a lame duck guy, you know? So the way it's looking right now, the way it's looking right now, Miami has their coach. According to ESPN, according to Bleacher Report, according to the Herald, it's pretty much good. It pretty much looks like it's a done deal. It's going to be $8 million a season. I'm not sure how many years. It's going to be $8 million, $8 to $10 million a season. The boosters themselves, guys like John Ruiz and the Moss family, have all said, listen, don't even worry about it. We'll open our checkbooks. Just get this program right. John Ruiz now saying he wants to build a stadium for the university, you know, around the Merrick Park area. So now the boosters that I've been saying have been dormant are now starting to put their put one foot forward, you know, and, and this is a good thing in terms of money, but the way you, for that, let me tell you, you should have just fired Manny Diaz after the FSU game. Maybe made Rhett Lashley, the interim head coach, see how the season goes. And then after the bowl game, you make your selection. You can't really formulate it. I think sign Mario until after the bowl game is over. I'm not sure. I don't know how that contract works uh, over at Oregon. Because I heard that if, if he signs before the bowl game or before January 14th, he owes the university or he has to give up $9 million. All right. It's one of the things that I heard is a stipulation in his contract with Oregon. I'm not sure if that's the case. But, I mean, the way Manny Diaz has been, treat, has been treated has been absolutely poor. All right. It's been poor. It isn't fair. 
It isn't right. It's absolutely wrong. The man deserves better. He really does deserve better. Okay, and let me tell you, he's lost games. His first season, he lost games because of the kicking game. He lost like three. I think they finished six and seven. He lost three or four of those games because Boba Baxter, you know, couldn't kick it into the ocean. Sorry, it's, it's the truth. He lost, uh, he lost, he won, I think, nine games or eight games last year, went to a pretty decent bowl and almost won an Oklahoma State team that ended up almost ended up in the top five this year, you know, in terms of ranking. So that team was ascending and they're very close to beating that team. Derek King got hurt. Nikosi, they almost won with Nikosi Perry as well. This year, they had an injured Derek King. Now, you can put down the coaching staff that they should have never started him. They should have gone with Tyler Van Dyke the entire way because Derek was hurt. But, you know, they gave the kid a chance, uh, especially since it's, it was his last year. Get your NFL numbers up. So they started two and four. They started two and four. Two of those games, they should have won. They should have beat North Carolina. But that one, you kind of toss up. But Virginia, definitely. Definitely Florida State as well. They should have beaten Florida State. So this team is seven and five. They could easily have been a nine-win team. And now they're going to be, and now they're playing a stumble against Washington State. They could be a, they could have been a 10-win team, not an eight-win team. So if Manny Diaz or whoever's a coach, the interim coach, because I don't think Manny Diaz is going to coach if they name Mario Cristobal head coach sometime this week, you know, I don't think he's going to coach the bowl game. I'd be surprised if he finishes off the year. If he does it, he's doing it for the players, not for the university. He's doing it for the players that, that basically rode with him this entire time and never gave up on him. He kept that locker room together, any other school, any other team. Look at Florida, right? Look at the Gators, what a disaster they are. Manny Diaz kept his team together, kept his team fighting, and gave these young guys an opportunity. The guy knows how to recruit, too. This is a guy that brought in Devontae Williams, guy that brought in James Williams, guy that brought in Cam Kitchens as well. On the offensive side of the ball, yeah, Red Lash had a lot to do with it, but Manny Diaz had a, you know, was in those rooms. Jacoby George, Rashard Smith, you know, Keyshawn Smith as well. Saw something in Tyler Van Dyke, but not many schools saw something in Tyler Van Dyke as well saw something in Tyler brings him in was able to get was able to get um pretty much Jake Garcia to go from USC where he's from from his own backyard all right to come to the U as well Jacory Brown who's one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in the state of in the state of Georgia from the same school as Jake Garcia Valdosta Georgia is coming to the Canes or not from the same school sorry the the same uh, the same city forgive me the same city all right he's coming to the Canes all right, as well, and more than likely, from what I've heard, and I've heard from um, from people from other podcasts, the, they think that he's a done deal. No matter who the head coach is, he's a done deal. But you know, got him here, Manny Diaz. All right, so Manny Diaz is doing his best recruiting. Miami went from fifty seventh to fifty first now in recruiting because of the acquisition of Wesley of Wesley Bazanti. Bazanti. Okay, so my take again: Mark Cristobal would have, would have still been in Oregon. You should have given Diaz another year. You know, the the, the new AD could come in. He has a one-year honeymoon just to see how things go, all right? And then when he doesn't like – if he doesn't like the way something is running, then he can make the cuts and changes he needs to make at the appropriate time. So Radovich had his chance, all right? He could have just – for me, in my, my opinion, look at the scenarios. Okay, okay, three years. They, look how many years Jim Harbaugh got, all right? Jim Harbaugh has been coaching – I'm 41. Jim Harbaugh has been in Michigan since my early 30s, all right? And now we're seeing, you know, the, the fruits of Jim Harbaugh's labor. Now they're going to they're going to a BCS playoff game. All right, our the Michigan right now is ranked number two in the country. So the defense, the offense, all that came together. So Harbaugh got it together. Harbaugh had a reputation already before. Diaz is kind of like learning on the job, 
But Harbaugh had a reputation at Stanford when he won at Stanford, coaching Andrew Luck. Then he went to a Super Bowl with uh, that, that clown, Colin Kaepernick, you know, as well, you know, and, um, and, and, that, and now it took him a while at Michigan, but he's, but he's got the ball. They, were gonna, they thought about firing him last year. You know, they thought about firing him last year as, uh, as head coach, you know, from when I heard some rumblings, but they brought him back in and they finished with one loss to, a, to, a, to the rival Michigan State, but beat their arch rival Ohio State. And now they're playing a BCS bowl game and a BCS playoff game. So kudos to Jim Harbaugh. Yes, he had that reputation. Diaz does not. But I think you got to give Diaz a full recruiting class, like four years. And then you can make that you can make that decision at the end of the year or if it's really bad towards the middle of the year, like you did with Al Golden you know, uh, right before you brought in Mark Ricks and you had Mark Rick in place. You fire golden, Larry Scott's the interim head coach. You already had Mark, you already had Mark Rick ready to get ready and good to go. The same with Randy Shannon, you fire Randy Shannon, you had an interim head coach. You brought in Al golden, but the way this has been handled, is terrible. They haven't even fired many ideas yet because they want to make sure Mario Cristobal and they can work things out with Oregon more than likely some, some deals. Mark Cristobal puts pen to paper and is the official head coach. Then bye-bye Manny Diaz. That's how they're going to do it. While this man is still out there recruiting kids. To make your university better, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Julio Frank should be ashamed of themselves. Whoever the interim AD is should be ashamed of themselves. And the whole entire boosters that are advocating for, for this to happen should be ashamed of themselves. Because think about it. I mean, if I'm Mario Cristobal, would they do that to me? If I'm not uh, as successful, Mario's probably confident enough in his recruiting skills and his coaching skills that he won't be put in that situation, especially since it's very easy to recruit Miami, all right? So that's uh, that's pretty much it. But again, as a as a Hurricanes fan and as an alum of the university, I'm a, I'm embarrassed at the way the university is conducting himself. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, fire Manny, don't fire Manny. This is the right thing, not the right thing. Even major news outlets like Yahoo Sports has said that the way that Manny is being treated is absolutely disgusting, and it's true, right? It's absolutely true. So I'm here wondering why Manny Diaz wants to stay on. It's like, listen, you're going to fire me next chance you get. You're never going to give me a full chance. But nonetheless, the guy's staying, the guy's a trooper, and the guy's a pro. All right, so we'll see it as the week goes, uh, how much information gets out. If Mark Cristobal will be the official head coach this upcoming week, or are they going to wait until after the bowl game to make that announcement? They're just going to wait for some things, contractually with Oregon to work out. We'll see what happens. But Dan, uh, Dan, uh, I always said we'll say his name, Dad, Dan Radovich, right? Dan Radovich, the former AD at uh, Clemson, seems to be a done deal. Most outlets and most, and most sources say that it is. It's just a matter of just working out the numbers with Dan. But it's a good hire, right? I will say it's a good hire for the university. About damn time. It's a good hire for the university. But the way they've handled the coach situation is shameful. It's absolutely shameful, all right? And that's all I'm going to say when it comes to that. Because I'm going to jump into the Miami Heat. Miami had a rough week, right? They, they uh, had a very rough week, okay, as the – they were only able to uh, to uh, beat Indiana. Okay, they were able to beat Indiana, you know, at, on the road at 113 to 104. Kyle Lowry had a monster game with 26 points. Duncan Robinson woke up from his slumber. Uh, Duncan had 24 points and four for seven from three. But at home against the Nuggets and against the Cavaliers, Duncan Robin has been absolutely terrible, not just these two games, for the entire season. He's shooting roughly... Uh, in the high 20s from three-point land at home and shooting in the low 40s on the road. How does that even happen? Duncan Robinson got paid money, a lot of money, to be one of the top shooters in the NBA, and that's not happening. All right? It's just 
not happening, right? Like I said, one for 15 in two games this week <coughs> in particular. So, I mean, he is absolutely struggling. And with Jimmy Butler not playing because of injury, and now Bama to bio, we don't know how long it's going to be out with a, with a hand injury, with a finger injury throughout the week. We're, we'll see what happens with this Miami Heat team. They're still playing fairly decent basketball, all right? They really are. Uh, but we'll we'll see how how this goes. I mean, they had two pretty much disastrous losses, right, uh, this week, you know, when they lost to the Cavs, okay? Uh, they got blown out uh, against the Bucs. The Bucs pretty much got revenge for what the, the Heat did to them on opening night. Just want to go over those numbers. By the way, the Bucs did not have Giannis that game, all right, but – but pretty much, uh, pretty much, Kanaten pretty much led the team with forty-three with twenty-three points. All right, you always got, you always get some good minutes out of, of course, Middleton as well. Andrew Holiday. Uh, just look at look at the numbers that gets that Bucks game a bit more thoroughly. PJ Tucker, nice homecoming, two points only. Kyle Lowry, ten points. Tyler Hero with fifteen, one for six from three, four, four for seventeen overall. Duncan Robinson, three for seven from downtown. Not too shabby, not too bad. But the lean score. For the Miami Heat was Max Struess. Max Struess has been playing very well. It seems like him, Max Struess, and Gabe Vincent kind of trade. Okay. Uh, every so often, one guy will step up over the other. And that's good because you want to have, you know, your guys off the bench play very good basketball. But this team has got to find a way to win. And we're going to tell what this team is made of. You know, has, has got to find a way to win with, uh, without Bam and without Jimmy at times. All right. But Jimmy Butler's out there. Jimmy Butler right now is giving you better is giving you better minutes with the basketball because he's not relying so much on running the entire floor because Kyle Lowry's doing that and he's they're even letting Tyler Hero do a lot more of that uh, as a quasi point guard shooting uh, as a pretty solid two guard coming out of the floor with point point guard capabilities. Um, but the bench, other players have got to step up. When your starters are out, the other players have got to step up and they need more of an effort from the rest of the team. So that's something that they have to figure out uh, throughout the season. But again, you know, the thing with the NBA season, it's a marathon, not, not a sprint. All right. It's a complete marathon, not a sprint. So I think that's uh, something that he could build on. Okay. But they gotta be, they gotta win more consistently. 14 and 10 is not going to cut it. You want to have uh, a healthy gap between wins and losses. That way you could try to get the first seed or at least a high seed, maybe the second seed and have home field throughout the playoffs or hopefully most of the playoffs because that's going to that's gonna be very important when you're facing teams in that type of scenario. All right, so I'm a little short with the, with the Heat. They play Memphis on Monday night, you know, this upcoming Monday, you know, so we're going to see uh, how they how they play against uh, against Memphis. I think it'll be, a, it'll be a solid game. Memphis always plays them tough, though. All right, Moran always has a good game against Miami, but we'll see how the Heat come out, you know, if they come out guns blazing or if they fall flat. I predict blazing guns. And I do predict a – I believe the shooting slump for Duncan Robinson at home – is going to end. All right. I am calling it. You're hearing it here on 305 Sports Now. Your boy Will is saying Duncan Robinson is going to get his stroke at home against the Grizzlies. That's just my thought. I hope so. We know Tyler Harrell's more consistent, so I ain't worried about Tyler Harrell. Right. But I'm worried about Duncan Robinson because he was paid big money. And one of the reasons why the Heat got to the finals was because of his shooting. All right. Especially in the bubble. Lights out. All right. All right. Complete lights out. The Panthers, the other darling of South Florida, uh, absolutely had a wild week. All right. The Florida Panthers had a remarkable, and I mean remarkable, comeback against the Washington Capitals after a horrific loss at home 
against the Seattle Kraken, uh, the expansion team. But against the Capitals, down 4-1, they score five. They score four unanswered goals in the third period to beat them 5-4. to four, right? Among stars in that game were Ryan Lomberg and Sam Reinhardt. And in the third period, I believe they outshot the Capitals 24 to 2. They went on a blaze of glory, just started blasting and blasting and blasting and blasting and blasting until they literally just got all those goals in. The goaltender for the Caps was a pretty solid goaltender. It's a very good defensive team as well for the for the for the Caps. Just got just got obliterated, right? Samsonov took a beating and Samsonov lost that game. And again, you know, uh, Bobrovsky also gave four goals, but nonetheless, but nonetheless, they do get the win, and that is very, very important, right? So guys like Joe Thornton, Lomberg, of course, Sam Bennett, you know, and so on. Uh, they they're just they're just really keeping the cats going. It's really interesting because the Panthers could be down four to one, and you know they could come back. And it's interesting. The same thing the Sabers as well. They won seven to four, and again they came back and they beat the Sabers. All right, so that's pretty much what the Panthers are. The Panthers have been the most consistent team. In, in all of South Florida, uh, which goes, which goes, uh, which includes the Canes, Dolphins, Heat. You know, they've been the most consistent team. And the Florida Panthers have been outright, you know, nasty defensively. They've been lights out when it comes to scoring, not afraid to take chances and moving the puck. All right. So those are things that make a good team. They defeat the Blues. They defeat the Blues as well, four to three to end the week. Just, just, just great hockey going around. Absolutely wonderful hockey going around for the Florida Panthers. And I'm very happy as a Panthers fan and South Florida to see them be successful. Bobrowski having a great year. Guys like Ekblad having a great year. Okay. Guys like, you know, Huberdo having a wonderful year. Thorin having a wonderful year. And that's what you need. And but what they need to do, they really need to do is win and win against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is something they really need to do. They need to get over that hump in the playoffs, beat the Lightning, go to the Stanley Cup, and bring that trophy home. Okay. All right, guys. That was I think it was pretty. You know, it was a pretty good podcast. I think it's a little not not that not as long as usual because we didn't have any Canes games to analyze. But uh, but tune in this week, right? Because we have a a special bonus episode for you. The host of the Manny Matsaka show, Manny Matsaka himself, the former former um, former head coach at the collegiate level and also former assistant coach under both Bill Snyder and Mike Leach, will be joining us this Friday for a special bonus episode once again at three p.m. Friday, and next week a special National Signing Day issue as I will have two of the top coaches in South Florida, Coach Joe Gross, who was just named Coach of the Year for, the, for being the head coach of the Westland Hialeo Wildcats, all right, and Coach Tim Neal, all right, the head coach at American Senior High School, who is also the former head coach at Coral Gables and Southridge as well. All right, everybody, that's it for me. I am Will from 305 Sports Now. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to download my podcast or on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple wherever you get your podcast. If you if you like to leave a financial donation, remember this is a listener supported podcast. Please go to anchor.fm. Just click on just, just follow through procedures and leave a donation. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, for myself, have a wonderful day. See you Friday. Be safe and God bless.